Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and send us your movie suggestions for next month's listener pick. Uh, and of course, our patrons always get double picks. Join us on Patreon this month for uh, something. We're talking it's about something. Something We don't quite know yet. We have an idea, an inkling, and it's really not up to us. It's up to our AI producer, writer McStrikely, to see how he's going to handle the request we give him. Exactly. But it could be a lot of fun, or it can be a complete fucking disaster. Who it knows? could be like this one. Who knows? Who knows? Be sure to email your picks, your questions, your comments to beermeamoviepod at gmail.com and follow us on social media at beermeamoviepod on X and at beermeamovie everywhere else like Instagram and Facebook, where we always put up a recording post on the day of our recording asking for your questions and comments. And we got a comment, and I'll start off with the comment. It's Phil Hot Take Hawkins, because of course it is. Of course it is. He says, Ryder McStrikely has more nonsensical metaphors than a gorilla at a sock hop. <laughs> That's accurate. That's it makes me think accurate. that, like, Phil is AI. Like, I've never personally met Phil, and if I did, I'd give him the biggest bear hug that I am capable of giving someone, because he's a fantastic human being. <laughs> if he is a human being. You know, I've never seen Phil and AI in the same room. We gotta really... Be a little skeptical of that man, don't we? A little bit. I think so. Also, we got to have him back on soon. Very soon. Phil, you couldn't be more right about Ryder McStrikely, even though it may or may not also just be you in your midnight hour. <laughs> doing whatever it is you do. A bunch of dolphins that are arbitrarily choosing the, the references. Exactly. We also have a question. It is from Micah. He said, which 2000s guy piercer you? He said, time machine? Memento? Or Count of Monte Cristo? I've only seen Memento of those three. I feel like I've seen The Time Machine. I don't remember any of it. Uh, I feel like my guy Pierce is Iron Man 3, the best of the Iron Man movies. <laughs> All right. Little little Aldrich, Aldrich Killian? That's exactly what it is. An Extremis, I guess? That's what that movie's about? I don't know. It's Iron Man yeah. out of the suit. It's really damn good, and he has to be like a daddy figure, and it's lovely. I love it. So Pepper good. Pops gets powers, and it's never referenced again. It is, briefly. Very <laughs> yeah, briefly. No. Endgame, <laughs> very briefly. It's used for an audience moment, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, I have no answer. You know what? Um, insert Brad Pitt role, because that's who they really wanted. That's a very, very, very good point. This movie doesn't get made without Brad Pitt, and we thank Fight Club for not giving us Brad Pitt in this one. That would just be exactly. way too on the nose. That'd be, yeah. So there you go. Great questions. Great comments. I love it. Why don't we find out what we're talking about next week, Brian? Because next week is the last week of the month, which means right. it is up to the listeners. And that list right now is like 53 strong. It's wild, really. It's, it is. It's almost too much. And keep refreshing it, folks. If you're listening to this thing, write in. It just goes on the list. It's a exactly. living list. Keep it going. Get some of that Hollywood. Hollywood. Get some, <laughs> get some of that Halloween stuff in there for next month and get spooky with it. Yeah, yes, please. I have made the random selection, and it looks like next week we'll be talking about The Last Dragon. The pick comes to us from Dean Tenari. I have no clue what that is. I Googled it. It's a 1985 martial arts uh, movie directed by Michael Schultz, of course. Uh, martial arts comedy, which um, okay. means it has Ernie Reyes Jr. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited for that. Very curious. The Last Dragon next week. That's a interesting one. I I am weirdly curious about it. I'm mostly not because expecting that. 
it feels very only the strong going off of nothing. Exactly. That's the I'm getting only the strong vibes. Great pick. Next week, the last dragon. What do you say we give this thing a super stuff score? I think we probably should at this point. All right. Um, last category is impact on the industry. It's enormous. It's huge. This is somehow Christopher Nolan's. It's only his third film that he ever did. He did a short yeah. in 1997 called Doodlebug, and he followed that up in 1998 with Following. And if you haven't seen Following, there's a, a lot of Nolan DNA in there. It's really, really well done for what looks like a student film. Does it get fucky with time? Uh, he's fucking with his neighbors, really. Okay. In the sense that he's like following uh, a cat burglar around in a way and kind of gets sucked into that whole lifestyle briefly. It's a weird movie. It's pretty damn good. It's on Criterion Channel if anyone's interested in it. But he follows that up with Memento. And Memento is a game changer in terms of the way that stories could be structured. And Nolan instantly carves out this niche for himself of, you know, I could do a whole linear movie or I could not, or I could make it look like I'm not, but totally am doing a totally linear movie. Yeah, uh, I could do anything I want with time from now on, except tell a linear story. And he does it brilliantly every single time. Have you ever seen him draw this thing out? No. When he talks about this movie, he draws it out like it's a horseshoe. So you have all of the black and white stuff leading up to the ultimate climax, but you also right. have all of the color stuff working itself backwards towards the ultimate climax. The ultimate climax. So it is a completely linear movie, just not in that order. Just not told in order, yeah. And after Memento, he goes and does Insomnia. It's the only movie ever directed that he didn't write. And Al Pacino's amazing, and Robin Williams is amazing, that everyone's an amazing actor in that movie. It's so damn good. And then he goes on to the Batman trilogy, which just right. made buku bucks. I mean, The Dark Knight is still one of the best superhero movies ever made. It is, and it's looked at as one of the finest performances of an actor, hard stop. Yeah. In the middle of doing Batman movies, he does The Prestige. He does Inception. Then he does Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenet, Oppenheimer after that. All he does is make great films. Yeah. And yeah, I still say it about Tenet, even though it's confusing as shit. I still haven't seen Tenet, so. What we're watching Christopher Nolan do right now is just something special. He's creating event films time and time again. When yeah. you hear that a Christopher Nolan movie is coming out, you get your ass in that theater seat. Jordan Peele is not far behind what Christopher Nolan's doing right now. That's true. And in, you know, 10 years, who knows what it'll be like. Who knows? I mean, Steven Spielberg went and had all this clout back in the day also. Scorsese had this clout too. I think that Nolan right now is doing something incredibly special in the history of film. So yeah. uh, impact on the industry, 11. 11. And so let's not forget also part of the Library of Congress National Film Registry and Academy Award nominated for Best Film Editing and Best Original Screenplay. There you go. So like, yeah, it's a good movie. It's better than bad. It's good. It's better than bad. It's good. Next up, we have Box Office. Uh, this one's interesting because when it first came out, it was not... It was in like 11 theaters. Sure, but it also premiered at Venice. It got right. so much attention after it premiered there. The people who read this script either A, didn't understand it or said, B, this is the best thing I've ever read in my life. Yes. Yeah. They either got it and they loved it or they didn't get it or they didn't get it and they signed on anyway. 
Yes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> but it did show uh, steady growth in theaters all the way until its ninth week when it finally cracked the top 10 and then eventually peaked at eighth place Memorial Day weekend. It's 11th week of release is when it finally peaked, which is unheard of. It's a lot of word of mouth. That's ridiculously impressive. Yeah. That's usually when things are leaving the theater. That's crazy. Yeah. Then it stayed in theaters for another 16 weeks. Jesus Christ. That print so got it's worn out. $9 million budget. It ended up making $40 million. That's respectable. Yeah. That's a 445% increase. That is a nine on our scale. Jeez. I'm like legit a little nervous here. And usually I, I pop a drink right when I know we're getting close to the end. It's like, I got a pretty good idea of where we're going to land. Yeah. Uh, I don't look at the Rotten Tomatoes until literally we get into the last category every right. single episode. So it's a surprise to me. Same. And um, we, we haven't been very close lately. Again, we got very, very close to the point we had a drink. And now lately, I feel like we're getting a little bit harder on these movies. This Maybe one it's has just me a scared. defense mechanism. It might be, but this one has me scared. Yeah. Well, next up is music from David Julian. Sure, that's the name. <laughs> he did a lot of uh, Nolan's early work and not much else. No, because Hans Zimmer came on after. And, and when you can when Zimmer. When Hansie wants to do a movie, Hansie's going to do a movie. Why Julianne when you can Zimmer? I hardly know her. Hey, inappropriate. We don't work blue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got a message uh, this week asking if I had another poop story lined up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. How's how's that going for you, networking blue? Yeah. So, I mean, in the way that Chris Nolan has carved out his niche as a filmmaker, apparently I've just carved out my niche as a champion pooper at this point. Or just a, a very visual storyteller when it comes to fecal stories. Yeah. I feel like I have that market pretty cornered the at this gift. point. I got nothing this week, though, which is nice. It's nice that to, nice. you know, take a break and hold it for a day. It's good. <laughs> That's uh, it sounds an uneventful week is a good week. <laughs> it absolutely is. There were no emergencies. I will say that with the bookstore theory that we have going on where you could sniff the books and it makes you have to go poopies sure. uh, or you're just kind of wandering around and your Pavlovian effect just kicks in. You're just like, I got to poop. I got to read these books here. And you can't because the detectors. Because the detectors. I had a weird moment when I was in a record store. Where in my brain it said, like, maybe you gotta go. And I was like, this is a weird one. Oh, that's different. I've, I've literally never done this. And then I questioned why I've never done this because I do have the wireless headphones where I totally could. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I don't wanna ruin that. Hi fi audio drowning out the uh, potty dough. Do you feel good about that? No, not at all. <laughs> not even slightly. So the music of this movie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's fine. It's appropriate. There's nothing special behind it. It's synthy. It's, it's very synthy. I like it. Yeah. yeah I don't sure. love it. I'm not going to go. I don't love it. Buy the OST of this thing. No, not a chance. I'm definitely not going to put it on my record player and, and put on some wireless headphones and take a shit listening to it. I might. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it okay. seems it seems like it's, again, the Philip Glass niceness to it, where it's nice and flowy. And it's like, this is kind of sweet. This might help me pinch. This is good. Mostly brown notes. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> that would probably help me a lot. If you say so. Like, go on Shark Tank with that. It's like, what do you have here? Well, this actually is a speaker. It only plays one note. And then you play it, and then Robert poops everywhere. <laughs> and the best part he's going to do is somehow connect it to his kid, because he's an old daddy. Right. And it always has to talk about his kids. 
And then he invests. Yeah, he always will. If you can connect the kid to it, he's in. 100%. 100%. I'm going to go with a six. Yeah. A little lackluster. There's nothing spectacular about it. Next up is director. An 11. We kind of already covered that. Yeah, we've, we've kind of already, in the future, possibly, covered that. It's a horseshoe, man. This episode's oh, a yeah. horseshoe. It's, it's sort still linear. Of. We already talked right? about that in the future. What When we get to... Impact on the industry, we talked about directors. So we right. can, uh, well, 11. You can rewind to the future and listen to it then. We can go back to the future. That's heavy, Brian. Style and tone. Another 10. It has to be for this one. This is such a simple looking movie. Yes. Everything about it is simple. There's hotel rooms. There's streets. Well, there's a bar. Well, there's a house. There's abandoned <laughs> place. That's it. It. There's black and white, there's color, there's a transition, there's Polaroid photos. And even the fact that this movie is told linearly, but in a way that it puts us in Leonard Shelby's shoes, Guy Pierce's shoes for this. Yes. Because you would think that the editing is garbage if you watch this thing anywhere else. If you watch this thing linearly, you'd be like, wow, whoever cut this thing needs to go back to fucking school. <laughs> Maybe yeah, they need to is... get Pro Tools Pro and not Pro Tools I'm a fucking amateur. Well, they revealed the whole point of the movie 35 minutes in? <laughs> What's the point? But you keep getting dropped into all of these scenes in media res, kind of the way that Leonard Shelby would experience it. Exactly. You have no idea what perspired before this. So you are taking in the information as Leonard is experiencing it, in a way. Exactly. It's the only way that you can have reveals. It's the only way that you can get new information in order to push the story forwards by going backwards. It is genius. Unlocking memories because you can't have them to have the full impact later on. It's it's so well done. It's an 11. It's Easily. another 11. I might have said 10 earlier, and I, I'm so sorry to Christopher no. Nolan. Literally his entire family, because That's this is true. a family movie. <laughs> it is. Speaking of which, screenplay. Based on an original short story from Jonathan Nolan, which came out after the movie. Right. But they kind of worked on them in tandem. They did. They kind of wrote this thing on a car trip, which is even crazier. That is absolutely insane. I've always thought the dialogue in this movie was a little clunky in some parts. Yeah. Um, when you find out that all of the black and white scenes were improv by Guy Pierce, it, it shines a light on the movie. <laughs> it does. And he has this whole like manic approach to it while he's saying, I'm not good on the phone. But he consistently talks on the phone in the black and white scenes. So yes. you start to develop this sort of paranoia of like, who are you talking to, Leonard? Like, you keep saying you're bad on the phone, but you won't shut up. <laughs> well, if you watch the uh, the consecutive cut from the DVD extras, you'll see that it's all one phone call. That's not, that's not true. It's two. I feel like Christopher Nolan should sue the people who put out that DVD extra and be like, this was not my vision. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Can't, you. <laughs> you can't do this. You can't do this. I think for the screenplay, I want to go with a nine, mm. even though I quote this movie often because it's beer o'clock. I'm buying <laughs> really anything Joey Pants says. Now I begin to question every beer you've handed me. It's beer o'clock. I'm buying. What was in that beer that you handed me? Do you want to know? Nope. I'm going to I'm going to remain blissfully <laughs> ignorant. 
It's a bit nutty. <laughs> Austin, it is shit. <laughs> uh, what did I say? Nine? For screenplay? Yeah, Oscar nominated nine. screenplay, that one. All right. That one. Oscar nominated original screenplay that we found out later was based on a short story that hadn't come out yet. Yeah, okay, 10. Yeah, you convinced me. <laughs> I heard it. When I heard it, it's starting to make sense. I mean, I feel like being nominated for original screenplay and not adapted is kind of cheating. In what sense? Because this was a short story that wasn't written yet? Because it was adapted from a short story that just wasn't published yet. That's important because, I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, was that adapted or was that original? Because there is a novelization of that. That's a good question. What came out first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. I don't know. I used to have the novelization of Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, and I remember reading that. Yeah? Too often? In, uh, how many times? In 1999, 2000? Like, at least three or four. That's so many times. You could have just watched the movie again. Yeah, I know I could have, and I chose not to. <laughs> well, I mean, that makes sense, too, but <laughs> why the novelization? I mean... I don't know, my grandma bought it for me, and I wanted to show off that I could read. I wasn't a dum-dum like she probably thought. <laughs> I wanted to show off that I had grandma. <laughs> I'm not a piece of shit, grandma! George R. Binks is so funny! <laughs> me so read this whole book again. My grandma looks at me. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Ten for screenplay, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> again, I'm so scared of this movie antagonist yeah that's a good one to question because i don't know if there really is one because the protagonist is clearly leonard shelby clearly as we just discussed maybe in the future possibly in the past exactly but the movie makes it seem like teddy is the antagonist it does but he's also very very much not at no and um, lenny kind of is i mean he kind of is his own worst enemy that's why Brad Pitt couldn't be in this or Edward Norton. Because they were lit. Because every now and then, kicked the living shit out of me. Way better reference. I did not get that far into the lyrics. Yeah, I think that antagonist will go... Is it memory? Leonard. And protagonist will go Leonard. It is a good character if you can split it that way. That's true. For antagonist, Leonard very much is his own enemy. As we yes. learn at the end, this is going yes. to be a mystery that he both solves and never solves by design. Exactly. And there's so many places this could go after the end of this movie that it's like, mm. it's a great place to stop. Christopher Nolan knows when to stop a movie. Does that top fall down? Does it not? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I want to go with. Do it. Son of a bitch. A 10 again. A 10 again. And then for protagonist, I feel like you sort of have to go. With at least a nine. At least. And this might be me trying to like anti-fanboy because of how much I love this movie and how much I respect this movie. But the fact that it is Guy Pierce having to learn everything and we get to see him learn everything. He's experienced everything for the first time and yeah. we're experiencing that with him as it works back. We're gathering this information as it just keeps chopping farther back. Motherfucker. Oh boy. <laughs> it's another 10. I'm starting to feel a little better because I feel like critically this movie is going to land like Low to mid 90s, and I feel like we're gonna land this thing mid to high. So, yeah, well, let's talk about the casting. It's very good, it's so good. Um, for Lenny, they originally wanted Brad Pitt, obviously. Like, there's there's no chance you could watch this movie and not be like, oh, they definitely wanted Brad Pitt for this. Sure, shirts off, he's gonna have that weird V by the pelvis. Yeah, I'm not gonna say what people call him. What is that? I I feel like you know, you're just trying to, to goad me into saying it. 
I don't know, but I also am trying to goad you into saying it. Come gutters. That's the worst I've ever heard of that. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever, too. That is horrible. I went to uh, college on Long Island, and uh, whenever you saw the girls with the big bug sunglasses, sure, those had a, a cummy name, too. <laughs> oh. They were called cum goggles. Sure. So we don't work blue, people. We don't. We never have. We never will. <laughs> never, ever. It's not a blue podcast. When Brad Pitt couldn't do it, when he was unavailable, they were like, well, we don't want an A-lister at all. So, you know, we can mold our own Brad Pitt out of whoever we get. Even though they talked to Charlie Sheen, Alec Baldwin, Aaron Eckhart, and Thomas Jane, they were like, no, let's not do A-list. I feel like Alec Baldwin would be an interesting choice for this one. That was, I believe, their first choice after Brad Pitt. I'd actually be really curious to see that. Alec Baldwin's a really good actor, people. I understand he killed a person recently, (laughs) but he's a really good actor. And Dennis Leary for Terry was their original. They really wanted Dennis Leary. I could see and that one completely. Carrie Ann Moss was like, you got to use Joe Pants. So after The Matrix came out in 1999, hot on the tails of The Matrix, they get Carrie Ann Moss. That's who Christopher Nolan wants. That's who he gets. I think she's kind of the weakest part of this in terms of actors. And I'm not really considering Larry Holden, Jimmy Grants, or whatever. He pops up for two seconds in this movie. Yeah, he doesn't count. But Carrie Ann Moss both fucks with Leonard's memory, but I don't know. I feel like that might be the weakest direction, the way they use her in it. I don't know. I feel like she's Uh, the most manipulative one of all. She is, and she's leaning so hard into it, but I I feel like Teddy's the most manipulative part of it. That's that's fair. And we've got there. Or we'll get there. I don't really know how time works anymore. (laughs) I think she is the quickest to catch on to what's happening and manipulate the situation. She is. I almost feel like she's too mean, if that makes sense. Like, there's a little bit of empathy strewn about this movie. Because even Teddy has this empathy who comes off as nearly a friend. He's like, I know I'm fucking you over, but also, have you seen this mustache? (laughs) Well, the same thing happens with the the motel clerk, too. He's like, ah, yeah, I'm kind of screwing you, but you're not going to remember anyway. Mark fucking Boone fucking Jr. Exactly. Every time he pops up, I smile. He's... Screwing over Leonard, too, at the hotel. Yeah, and he admits it to him. But the thing about that is Leonard Shelby's just like, yeah, I'm not going to remember it. You do you, (laughs) boo. You do you. He's like, hey, I appreciate that you're straight with me about screwing me over. Carrie Moss, I feel like, is just too mean. (laughs) I know she hits her role. But but then she uh, has that turn at the end where she gives him the information that he wants. She does. But I feel like the way that the movie's structured, I forget about that. That's fair. But chronologically, that is the last thing she does for him. Correct. So, yeah, all right. Damn, the casting's really, really good in this. And also, whatever <laughs> we good. give it, it's, it's getting get a the, Steven the Tobolowsky, Tobolowsky bump. Tobolowsky bump, yeah, 100%. 100%. So, I kind of want to go eight with a Tobo bump to nine. I think Guy Pierce works in this role. Yes, absolutely. But literally nothing he does stands out to me, ever, whenever I watch this movie. Because it's yeah. Guy Pierce with his weird teeth and his weird hair. It's like, oh, yeah, this wasn't a Brad Pitt movie. It somehow was not. And our first category is story and motivation. I'm so curious to see how Ryder McStrike is putting this thing together. We have so much to talk about after this. So much to go still. I know that there's someone in like their car who's like just riding the guardrail at this point. Just like, motherfuckers, I see what you're doing. <laughs> oh, I was so confused at first, but now. <laughs> if this was your first episode, that was a mistake. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> For all you memento heads diving in the middle. <laughs> Oops. 
Do we give this a story motivation score or do we do the um, the synopsis? We should probably talk about the movie first. I suppose. Even though I have a pretty good idea where this is going to go. <laughs> Ryder Ray strictly struggled with this one a little bit, mostly because good. of... Um, good. You know, that was the idea. Timelines. Timelines and... Um, uh, content filters on ChatGPT. <laughs> what do you mean? Con- it's ChatGPT. It's AI. Just go to town. Yeah, no, it's it's not allowed to promote violence and things like that. So since when? Had to, had to do some workarounds. And Apparently, how are we promoting it? This isn't X or Twitter or whatever. I don't know. Whenever I tried to input the synopsis of this movie, it'd be like, that goes against our, our policy. It might have just been a, a plagiarizing thing, actually, now that I think about it. That's that was just fair. Copying the synopsis from Wikipedia and pasting it in. <laughs> Jeez, how much more lazy could you get? We already have an AI producer. Well, I mean, the AI producer has to work from something. That's fair. I don't know how any of this works. That's why you're in charge. That's fair. What Writer McStrikely gave us is a chronological telling of this movie. That son of a bitch. Yeah. All right. Um, six. Six? <laughs> no, go, Wait. go, go on. Get on with your... <laughs> chronological order here all right uh he also switched it up this week what does that mean he didn't start us off with a imagine this or picture, picture this. this instead it starts meet leonard shelby okay thank you played by guy pierce guy fucking pierce yeah i think so yeah we'll give it to him one faithful night he plays hero during a break-in at his home gets whacked in the head and suddenly can't remember things longer than a goldfish i can like in the back of my head here ted lasso going good <laughs> Good. Be a goldfish. Good. Barbecue sauce. (laughs) Now his mission in life is to find the second attacker from that night. But here's the kicker. The movie's storytelling is like a DJ scratching records, jumping back and forth between color and black and white sequences. Do you remember DJ Hero? No, not at all. It was Was Guitar guitar Hero, Hero? but with a, a DJ table. With a turntable. Oh, how the turntables have turned. Exactly. I remember getting that thing, and man, I was garbage at it. And I'm a fucking god when it comes to guitar hero i will toot my horn you're a guitar hero god yeah i went into a guitar hero tournament in college and it was one of those like the video game society or whatever put it on a tournament and they're all sitting there beforehand like (laughs) the video game society okay yeah i made it sound like snick i know but still (laughs) get out your orange couch the video game society (laughs) Guitar Hero. They're all sitting there talking about what place they think they're all going to land in, and they don't see this old ringer come on in. And let's just say somebody went home with $25. Oh, wow. Okay. So you are a Guitar Hero guy. Yeah. 25 whole dollars. Yeah. That was first (laughs) prize. Second prize was $5. The entrance fee was $30. (laughs) Yeah, they got me. (laughs) (laughs) He's so good at guitar, so bad at math and finances. <laughs> guitar Hero God. If you say so. That's all I'm getting at. We start in black and white. Leonard wakes up in a shoddy motel, scratching his head, and tells a mystery caller about his anterograde amnesia, which makes Dory from Finding Nemo look like Einstein. <laughs> Does it, though? I don't know. Like, they're very similar in the sense hey. that they're both Australian. At least it's an appropriate metaphor for once. That's a good point. He goes all in on tattoos to remember stuff, even inking John G. raped and murdered my wife on his skin. Subtle, right? He puts that backwards across the top of his chest. It's got a sweet uh, collar piece tattoo. It is words. That's all he has on his body is words. 
Just so many words. It's an interesting thing that he does. He has to wake up every single morning or wait five minutes and rediscover his body, which is terrifying. <laughs> but he has all these words on it. He just has to believe that they're true. Right. How do you solve a mystery when you don't have the clues? You learn to trust your own handwriting. And that's kind of what he talks about, about conditioning and creating different habits, because there are things that are ingrained in him that he does, it seems like, regularly. Like when he walks right. into a hotel room and he pulls out the map of where I am, where I'm going, yada, yada, and he puts that on the wall, ridiculously high up on the wall. So Which annoyed me. He's still on the on bed. bed to get to it. Yeah. Who does that? What are you hanging up your goddamn Hanson poster in 1996? <laughs> stand on the bed? So that your little brother, sister can't touch it or something? I can't sleep unless the Spice Girls are watching me. Well, Ginger could watch me. <laughs> she was my Spice Girl. Yeah. Baby. I knew you were going to say baby. I knew it. My question is how does he remember that it's called anterograde amnesia? Yeah, that I don't understand. And he remembers everything leading up to the accident. Right. In theory. But he tells the story so often about his condition that he, he has must to, just though. be, he's conditioned to tell the story when he first meets a person. What an annoying person to be around. Right. That's like somebody who's been out of college for eh, roughly 13, 14 years and still talks about how they were a guitar hero god. <laughs> it's almost that annoying. That will flash back to his gig as an insurance investigator. He meets Sammy Jankis, played by Stephen fucking Tobolowski, who's another memory challenge chap. Did you ever listen to Stephen Tobolowski's podcast, The Tobolowski Files? No, I haven't, but I just found out about it today, and I can't wait to. It's unbelievable. He is a next-level storyteller. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons he got this role is because he's actually suffered from amnesia before. He had some sort of medical issue, like, I think it was kidney stones or something like that, and they gave him pills instead of anesthetic in order to yeah. do the thing? Some sort of <laughs> trial medicine. They're like, hey, take these amnesia pills. <laughs> Instead of going under anesthesia, and uh, we'll see if it works. Why is there an R on these? For for roofies? Are you... What? <laughs> They're called forget-me-nows, Michael. <laughs> Leonard plays detective and decides Sammy's faking it. That is a very big simplification. Yes, it on, is. On the case of Ryder McStrickland, because he continually says, I never said he was faking it. Sammy's wife ends up in a coma due to an insulin overdose experiment. Again, very big oversimplification. It is. What Sammy's wife does is tell Sammy that she's ready for her shot. Sammy, not even batting an eye, gets up, gives her her insulin shot. She's using it as a test. Yeah. She's so desperate for the Sammy she remembers to some sort of recognition. She thinks it'll trigger him to, uh, you know, not kill his wife. Right. And this is after they did a bunch of tests on Stephen Tobolowski of picking up different shaped items on the table right. or whatnot. And one of them was electrified and he kept doing it and kept showing that sweet middle finger, sweet middle finger. Can I ask you a question about middle fingers? I suppose. Put your middle finger up. Give me the finger. All right. So Brian is like me. All the fingies are down except for the middle finger. The thumbs tucked in right. over yeah. the pointer. The other two are on the side of the middle finger also down. I right. never understood people who did the the thumb, not to bring out a smash mouth, but shape of an L on her forehead here. 
<laughs> with the thumb out because it's just not that offensive then, I feel like. Like you're throwing a thumb out there too. Yeah. Everybody stop what you're doing in your day. Put out your middle finger. If you put the thumb out, rethink your choices in life. I, I want to say it was middle school. Somebody was like, if you have the thumb out, it means I want to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in middle school. <laughs> even mean they haven't even found woods porn yet in middle school (laughs) they don't know how to do any of this they don't know what that means do you ever hear those stories about the people in middle school who were uh doing it that was always weird there was it was like a big deal very weird never understood how any of that worked and if you got some in middle school i guess good on you it's weird Or i'm sorry that that happened i hope your life worked out great i hope that you tattooed across your chest <laughs> what you did. I hope you don't have like like the, the ammo belt tattoo going across your chest that says find him and kill him. That would be wild. I feel like if they did that in The Hangover instead of just taking out like an El- Ed Helms tooth or something like that, better movie. And that's a great movie. That is a great movie. Can I tell you something? Sure. I don't know if this is uh, confident or cocky. Ooh. I don't it know. Sounded cocky. That I don't know. Cocky. I don't know, man. I feel like we're we're uh, too high. We're too high. I I mean, we could decide the story motivation is real low and and bring us right back to where we're supposed to be. Yeah, we won't. But <laughs> seems still. unlikely. But we could. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. I don't know. I forget the audience has a uh, say in it too. But what are you gonna do? Back to the mysterious caller feeding Leonard clues about his quest to find John G. Knee deep in the dug. Doug trade. That's um. It's like being a drug dealer, but you just you sell people named Doug. That's <laughs> just so many Dugs. I got a question for you. I'll, I'll use code. Do 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 do. Yeah, I got one. Honk honk. <laughs> uh, a better show. Also, a different. If show. you made Doug funny, some sort of. I don't know if he would be a pimp in that situation or a sex slave. I feel like it'd be more likely that Roger was dealing Doug's. Or Skeeter, because that's the one you wouldn't expect. Nobody suspects Skeeter. Why would you? He's blue. He's blue. <laughs> I'm not saying I have anything against green people, but. <laughs> Go home, Roger. Oh, that's a different show. <laughs> Leonard gets a tip about meeting with Jimmy Grants, who's got, you know, the name, almost, that he's looking for. John G. You know, Jimmy, short for John. There's one point in this where Teddy is just like, yo, you're looking for John G. This is Jimmy. That's the same. And even maybe Leonard's it's, like, maybe it's James G. It's not. It's It really is not. So he heads to a spooky building to meet Jimmy. Sure does. Jimmy recognizes Leonard and things get heated. Is that what they call that? Murder? Is that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, chat GPT and it's it's. Content filters. Leonard creatively <laughs> uses a tire iron, and Jimmy spills the beans about cash in his car trunk for a drug deal. Oh, that whole Manson family! They went to that one house that one time. Things got a little heated. Things got heated. People got creative with their meal prep, and uh, <laughs> what? That's the wrong one. Oh gosh! Leonard goes Silence of the Lambs on Jimmy with a creepy Polaroid photo shoot. I do appreciate the Polaroid. I mean, you got to keep the memory somehow, and it's not like he could just bring it to CVS to get developed. It's true. I like how instant it is. 
I think that's the good thing, even though I feel like a nice digital camera now, he'd be like, hmm, I'm just cruising around. Also, I went back 200 photos. What the fuck is that? Imagine him going and like getting film developed instead of having the Polaroid and then like having to go through all these memories at once. <laughs> he has to sit there. It's like, it's one hour wait. photo. I'll wait. But an hour later, he's like, I don't know why I'm in this CVS anymore. <laughs> As the picture develops, we're transported from black and white into Technicolor. This isn't like Wizard of Oz, man. That's not how any of this works. Also, kind of wish it was like Wizard of Oz now. That would be real interesting. Leonard Shelby just walks out of that house and he's in Munchkin land all of a sudden. He goes, I do not have a tattoo for this. (laughs) She came down in a bubble, Doug. Hey, we got tips on that, Doug. But there's more. Leonard drags Jimmy into a basement where Jimmy's last words are Sammy. That's a big clue that this Jimmy fella knew Leonard and is probably not John G. Probably not. I really love that touch. And this is the first time I've watched this movie in a long time. Same. Which is a weird thing to say because this is not a movie you should put on in the background. No, you'll be completely lost the whole time. Completely. It'll just be scenes playing out in the background. There's (laughs) no rhyme or reason for anything happening there. You might as well watch the chronological bonus feature. At that point, you might as well. That's what it's for. He's like, what's your plan today? I don't know. I'm mopping the kitchen. I need to put something on. Uh, well, disc two, my friend. <laughs> Chronological memento <laughs> for when you want to put something on the background, but you want to know where in the story you are. Oh, that's so gross. Like, that is offensive. Can I tell you? Uh, I watched it. No. I, I watched the movie regular, and then I did watch the chronological cut. Wow. Is that to make up for the three times that I watched Life of Brian? I maybe I don't know. I think okay. I was just morbidly curious and um not a great movie chronologically. No, I can't imagine it would be. And uh well, I mean, you're going to find out from the writer McStrikely retelling right now because Fair enough. we are at the end of the movie even though we're halfway through the movie. Yeah, I'm not enjoying this. Enter Teddy, Joe fucking Pantaleano. Joey Pants is here lurking in the shadows. He can lurk in any shadows he wants. If he popped out right now and he's like Davy, I'd be like, fuck you, let's hang out. I don't trust you at all, but I love that about you. Teddy tries to convince Leonard that Jimmy was their guy, but Leonard ain't buying it. Teddy finally spills the beans. Jimmy was just a low-level drug dealer with nothing to do with the attack on Leonard's wife. Oh, and here's the real kicker. Leonard's wife survived the attack. Yeah, we we know that. We saw her blink in a bag or a shower curtain. I'm not sure what it was. Shower curtain, probably. That shower curtain's not really ideal for suffocating somebody due to its openness most of the way around. If that's all you have, though. Fair. I mean, if you're going to try to suffocate somebody and all you have is a shower curtain, yeah, then it is your best option. I you get could it. make it work, yeah. Sammy Jankis? Total fabrication, according to writer McStrikely, even though that's only half true. It's somewhat true. Yes. It's somewhat true. Uh, Sammy Jenkins' story about uh, giving his wife insulin until she died did not actually happen. He was found to be faking his condition, and what actually happened was that was Leonard that did the whole diabetes bit. Correct. And it is actually heartbreaking at the end of this thing. It really is. And they do a really cool thing where they show um, Stephen Tobolowski in the hospital chair after his wife ODs and they do the whole fight club one frame swap. And it is guy Pierce for, for a little bit there. And it's like, uh. so what you're comparing this to, 
you're comparing Stephen Tobolowsky in a chair to one frame of Guy Pierce sitting in a chair to putting a penis for one frame into a children's movie. No, not at all. Uh, I'm talking about all the random flashes. Because that is directly from Fight Club. That is what he does, and that's why the joke works in Fight Club. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is in Fight Club, they do the same thing with Ed Norton in yeah. a bunch of scenes. Right, so. okay. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Fight Club, Edward Norton and Brad Pitt are the same guy. Also, uh, it was it was the sled. <laughs> How dare you? I was on my list to watch! Now, I know it wasn't because Shit. of last week. I waited 60 years, man! <laughs> Teddy even claims that he's a cop who helped Leonard hunt down and ice the real John G. over a year ago. He is a cop. He is a cop. He doesn't just claim to be a cop, he's a cop. He's a cop. He's a bad cop, but he's a cop. He's a crooked cop, but he's a cop. And I love how at the end of this thing, or the beginning of this thing, or wherever we are in this thing, he openly tells Leonard during the big climax of the movie, he's like, my name is John Edward Gamble. I'm a John G. Right. Surprise. That's the big surprise to the audience. Is like, he's really, really upfront with that. Yeah. And we see Leonard trying to solve a mystery the whole time, but it doesn't really need to. He's got a broken brain, so he does sort of need to. But- Oh, man, what an ending. I mean, he says his whole reason for living is revenge, to find John G and to kill him. It's and just even so he's sad, it, man. It's so know he's done sad. It. He's done it yeah. a few times, probably. Probably. Which is why, you know, Teddy is using him to go after these other bad guys, uh, Daredevil style. Yeah, that's right. And oh, Joey Pants, he's in that movie too, man. Daredevil canonically in the Memento universe now. Oh. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> Leonard's not going to let facts ruin a good revenge story, though. He decides to outsmart his forgetful brain and set himself up to kill Teddy. Who the fuck does he think he is, Donald Trump? (laughs) Not a political podcast. No, but also not wrong. I'm not going to let facts get in the way. I'm not. Not going to do it. No, you can tell me all the truths you want, but... So you let me know that I've already accomplished my revenge, but I still have a yearning in my heart for revenge. So what I'm going to do is take your name and put it in my book, and then I'm going to get my revenge on you. And by putting it in my book, I'm going to put it on my chest, just like I did with Stormy. (laughs) He scribbles a note on Teddy's picture to do not believe his lies, and he records Teddy's license plate number as John G's and schedules a tattoo appointment for that very plate number. For some reason, Ryder makes frankly thought it was very important. You know, it's SG137IU. <laughs> I think that this is fascinating. Like, I I was so annoyed by the chronological order of this thing, and we're not even fucking close. We're not. Annoying. And that is like, that's the that's the end of the movie. We just yeah. finished it. It's Almost. That, we go through this entire movie, this film noir of learning fact after fact after fact after fact, but it's all backwards. Yeah. So- Leonard has already discovered everything that we know. So when we finally get to the point where he's writing down this license plate number, we know it's just nothing. Exactly. It's just a car for a guy who's John G. Right. The guy who told him he's John G. A guy who's been helping him, if anything. Probably his best friend. Probably. Teddy's keys tossed in the woods. Leonard's truck left at the refinery. Jimmy's Jaguar. Lenny's driving that in style. I just thought of like the Drake meme, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one. Yeah, the Jag. I'll take that. It's a good looking Jag. It is. Dressed in Jimmy's clothes, Leonard discovers a note meant for Jimmy inviting him to Ferdy's bar. 
Now Leonard's off to meet Natalie, played by Carrie Ann fucking Moss. Is this like the world of Dick Tracy where people are putting like notes on the back of coasters and shit like that? It must be. It's like he's dating her. You don't need to put this on the back. Just tell me like, yeah, come over after. You don't need to write it yeah. down all sexually or something. Hey, once you once you do that uh, that drug deal, make sure you follow this incriminating note and meet me at the <laughs> bar afterwards. We're dating, but I'm glad that you have this coaster with the name of the bar around my name and my number, which you yeah. probably know. You probably have. Somewhere, I would hope. Hey, it's 2001. If you don't have that text message plan, that's 10 cents, man. Right around a coaster for me. Are you kidding me? That's a, You better memorize that number. Right? I still know all my friends' numbers from back in the day. Barely I know my wife's number. Do not. Yeah? I might know one or two. Like, if I got into an emergency situation, I can call up, like, my parents' best friends. They don't live there anymore, but someone will answer. Yeah, if I get into an emergency, I can like I can call the home number of my seventh grade best friend, and I don't think that number will connect to anything anymore, actually. Try it live. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. Just in case you don't want to reconnect. Did you have a weird experience? Let me see your chest. <laughs> I've got a note here that says don't remember anything from seventh grade. That's not the reason your butt hurts. Oh, all right. I'm glad I tatted that on me. Find him and kill him. <laughs> That's more like it. Leonard spills the beans about his memory condition, and after a little test, Natalie buys his story. The test, of course, is that she has all the patrons of the bar spit into a beer, and then she serves it to him. He just drinks it all willy-nilly. He's all happy about it. It's a free beer. I get it. He's like, free beer? Give me that. And then, you know, the guy at the bar is like, ha, ha, ha. She's like, wow, you really don't have a good memory. So Natalie invites Leonard over, and he spills his guts about the attack. But there's a twist. Natalie might know more about this mess than she's letting on. Well, obviously, a dude shows up in your boyfriend's car and clothes. You're going to already be on to him. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. <laughs> she sends Leonard off to deal with a thug named Dodd, who's been harassing her for cash related to Jimmy's shady dealings. Does she so much send him off to Dodd, or Dodd happens to... I don't know. It's This is the confusing part of the movie for me. I think Dodd is looking for the money because he was the one who was supposed to be there for the, the deal. But then Jimmy was going to take the money instead. Or not Jimmy. Teddy was going to take the money instead. Teddy had somehow gotten involved in this in one way or another. Yeah, This whole middle is weird to me. It's always been weird to me. It's always been a bit unnecessary. But yeah. it works, I Let's suppose. lean into the weirdness so we can lower the score. And maybe no, Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Teddy's back, warning Leonard about Natalie. Leonard doesn't believe Teddy, thanks to the ominous note on Teddy's picture that says, don't trust him. He decides to heed Teddy's advice and go to the discount inn instead. I've been to some weird motels. This is one of the nicer ones. It's not bad. It's not I've bad. way worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Leonard's at the discount inn, where Bert, at the front desk, Mark fucking Boone fucking Jr., sees a golden opportunity to squeeze cash out of our forgetful friend. Is he that desperate that he needs the one extra room? I guess. He said his manager told him to do it. See if he can squeeze the next room out of this guy. Leonard gets lonely and dials up an escort service, but not for the reason you might think. He just wants to relive a good night's sleep. That's so weird. So weird. He's like, he gives her a bunch of his wife's stuff and says, just put it around the room. Don't use it. Put it around the room. And then once I fall asleep, slam the bathroom door. I, I've never been in that situation where I needed to do something like this, and I hope I never am. Yeah. 
but man, is uh, Leonard fighting back some demons. (laughs) (laughs) It's like John Constantine level of demons. Yeah. Different movie. Very different movie. No cats involved in the making of this film, as far as I remember. I don't remember any either. So the sex worker wakes him up with slamming of the bathroom door. And he wakes up, he's like reliving the night that his wife got murdered, which I guess was his endgame. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Basically, the point of this scene is to show that Lenny has a tendency to set up his future self for certain situations. Okay. He set this whole thing up so in the future when he woke up, he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I have to remember the night my wife died. He's conditioning himself. So after torturing some personal <laughs> mementos of his wife, it's Leonard, ridiculous. Leonard heads out to the next day, but oh snap, he's spotted by Dodd. A chase ensues, leading to Dodd's motel room, where Leonard serves up a good old-fashioned beatdown. That's a good joke. <laughs> it's a pun. Old-fashioned, because he beat him with a bottle of whiskey. Oh, damn, I didn't even notice. Reiner makes strikely. Or well Scott. done. I don't know. I looked like a knockoff J&B, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what but it looked like still. to me, too, yeah. Leonard calls Teddy for backup, and together they convince Dodd to pack his bags and hit the road. I feel like at some point Teddy planned on tracking down Dodd and having Lenny kill him, too. Probably. At this point, Teddy is the mastermind behind everything. Yeah. Leonard crashes at Natalie's place for the night. She then hands over the info he's been hunting for, along with directions to an abandoned place outside of town. It's, you know, the refinery from earlier where the drug deal happened. I like the way that she describes it, how he's like not totally convinced. And then she's like, it's real remote. And he's like, Leonard connects the dots and suddenly it all makes sense. Teddy, dear Teddy, must be John Edward Gamble, the second attacker. Do you remember that old clip of Dennis Green, Arizona no. Cardinals coach? No. I, I feel like that's where this movie very much goes at this point of the, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> that's ringing a bell now. Because that is exactly what has happened in this movie. Yeah. Is everything that Leonard knows is exactly what he's already learned and what right. he already knows. And he's playing this game with himself at this point. Yeah. So with that revelation in mind, Leonard calls Teddy, and they head to the same grimy building where Jimmy met his maker. Leonard pulls the trigger, and Teddy's lights go out for good. You probably don't want to be friends with somebody with short-term memory who's also homicidal, because yeah, that's... one little slip-up's all it's really going to take. It's so dangerous. Like, you got a five-minute window of just, like, if you can outrun him for five minutes, you're going to confuse him. And that happens in this movie with Dodd. He's like, am I chasing him or is he chasing me? Oh, he's... Chasing, I'm chasing him. I'm chasing. Oh, what? he's chasing me. I'm going to go to his hotel room and wait for him. It's almost as confusing as a cat dog. Almost. And uh, yeah, that's the first scene of the movie. Exactly. <laughs> uh, for story motivation, the motivation is real, real high. Yes. And I guess the story in turn follows. It's obviously a 10. Obviously. Is it 10? We got some real weird bits in the middle with Natalie and Yeah, Dodd it is kind of boring and... in the middle. You know what? Eight. Eight? Oh, I didn't expect to go down yeah, two for that. I kind of want to go down two because it bothers me every single time. There's a certain cadence to this movie where you're learning the structure of it. Because yes. you come in at the beginning of a scene, if you will, but then the next scene is going to end at what you just witnessed at the beginning right. of another scene. So you have to kind of 
catch up with yourself every single time. You know where every scene's going to end, but you have to learn that. You have to yeah. condition yourself to that. Yeah. That's which is a real interesting it, way to do it. But there's a, a point where works. everything is connecting, no problem. And then once Natalie gets involved, things start to take a little bit longer yeah. to connect. And there's a point in the movie where Natalie like steps out. She goes into the car after Leonard punches her. And she comes back and says, like, oh, Dodd fucking hit me. Right. Even though it was very much Leonard who did it, and she just waited him out. She just waited it. Yep. She, she hid all the pens in the room and then walked out. There's a weird time jump that happens there that very much takes you out. Yes. But there's a lot of bullshit with Natalie that we really don't need. Which is why I think I said Natalie might be the weakest part of this movie. Okay. Even though she acts the hell out of it. She does. That's fair. All right. I, uh, I want to go eight. I, I, eight. In my heart of hearts, I feel like it's dirty, but... A dirty eight. Uh, it's always bugged me. Yeah, that's fair. That's going to give Memento a total score of 95. My heart literally just skipped a beat. <laughs> that is so insanely close. Really? We're safe. Because critically, on Rotten Tomatoes, 183 reviews, this thing scored a 93%. Ooh. Audiencely... 250,000 plus ratings. That's so many. 94%. Oh, wow. We, we are real close. right there. Real close. It's a real good movie, folks. It's a it real really good is. movie. There's a reason why Christopher Nolan is looked at as a master of his craft. Yeah, 100%. Hey, do you want to get into it? I think we should. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to add before we get into it? I think that's it for me. Fantastic. Next week, we're talking The Last Dragon. Hello, citizens! <laughs> <laughs>